All right, good morning to you. Good to see you here today. We're continuing, actually wrapping up today, this little mini-series we're calling Habits. Not really that creative of a title, uh, but the reality is our lives really revolve around a lot of habits we do. In fact, about half of the things that we do is a habit we don't even realize we do it. You, you just find yourself doing what you do and like why we're doing it. Habits are so much part of our spiritual life as well as we've been talking about this. So we're going we're gonna to jump in to, to here to kind of wrap this up. It's kind of a setup for us to what we'll be launching in the fall, which I'll mention here in a moment. If you're here in person, you'll notice there's little little cups here uh, with juice and cracker. We're going to have a time of communion here at the end. Uh, if you're online, I encourage you to go to your kitchen, grab some juice, toast, coffee, whatever you want to use here today as we participate together. It's not really what you have. It's the heart behind what we're going to be participating in as we commemorate in the habit of, of participating in the Lord's Supper uh, together. So I wanted to share with you a habit, actually a bad habit I have. And I think, I, I think it's part of recovery. If you've gone through recovery, I like confession's good for the soul. Have you heard that before? Is that a Bible verse? I'm not sure exactly if it says that, but it's good. It is good to confess some things. And so, you know, we need to do that. And, and I guess I'm just going to model it for you in this. But, but as I do this, you're going to, I think you probably look at me differently. That's what the risk is as I share this. Uh, but you know, it, it's a habit that I that I picked up over the years, and really by myself, it's not a big deal, actually. In fact, even just with my, my own little family, it's not that big a deal, though it could be a little gross for them, I guess, in a sense, but in a larger setting, I mean, even in the day and age that we live, it actually could be criminal or immoral. And, 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 I, and I'll share it this way, I've been in like dinner parties or receptions, or I remember back in the day where we used to eat food together after maybe a small group time, we were gathering with friends and, and an extended family, whatever you might be, and, and I love, I'm just a finger food guy, by the way, I love finger foods, I love, you know, different, the different uh, chips and crackers and veggie tray, and then, and all the different dips, are you with me, all the little dips, like, you just have all these little sampling of different things, I just like, for, I like food is a variety of it, so which is all great and everything. But you know, I find myself is I'll I'll grab say a, a baby carrot and, and I'll I'll reach for that spinach artichoke dip, and I'll and I'll I'll dip it and then I'll take a bite, and then I dip it again. Yeah, I'm a double dipper. And, and I know that just, it's cringy, isn't it? It's just kind of like, it's almost, it's criminal. Like in the world we live in, all the germs and everything. So I, I admit that to you. I, I'm trying to get seek help and some counseling for this. Uh, but you're, you're thinking, bro, if that's your worst habit, though it is kind of gross, right? And you don't have to admit, you don't have to admit you've done it the same. You just act, you know, like, oh, this is so good. Let me try it again one more time before I go sit down and, there's a thing called a spoon, right? You know, and do that. But I would say whatever habit it is, cringy or unhealthy, or maybe you're struggling with the moral side of things, unethical side, there's habits. There's, there's good habits that we have that we're trying to get better at. There's bad habits we're trying to get rid of. And either way, it's kind of, there's kind of a bit of shame, isn't it? That we're not doing very good. We should try harder. You know, we, we have regrets of what we did do. We're, we're discouraged and even defeated because we keep doing what we're doing. And, and you know, we, we've shared the last few weeks is that, is that 
it's hard. It's difficult. Habits, though, are so part of us that we want to make changes, and it's difficult. And I'm so grateful that God's Word is there to help us make those changes. It's, it's there to help us in our human condition to identify what we're going through. And there's so many examples in Scripture. In fact, we've looked at the last few weeks with, with a a guy that, that was a, is a wonderful, was a wonderful church leader. He wrote half the New Testament. A guy named Paul that we so identify with and relate with. And I don't know. He's, I don't know if he's a fellow double, double dipper or we know he's a fellow sinner. And, and we look at him, we could look down on what, the, what he's saying here, but it's so honest and so real that I thought, well, let's read it one more time, but let's not read it just myself and you hear it. I think we should read it together. So whatever your issue is, whatever your struggle is, the reality is it could be, it could be a, an addiction issue, it could be a habit issue, it could be something you want to do, you're not doing. We find ourselves identifying with the Apostle Paul. Can you read this out loud with me? If you're online, you could read the screen, you could, you could say the words. If you don't know them out loud, uh, driving might be difficult, but we're here today as we do this together. If you could participate with me, because I think it's relatable. Go ahead and let's read it out loud. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Thank God Jesus Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin, has brought forgiveness for us through the cross, which we're going to take some time and remember here this morning. We, if you're a follower of Jesus, I know we're thankful. We, we sang grateful song today. We go, Lord, we're thank you. Thank you. For the king of my heart, you rule and you reign and live in me. And I know I'm secure in my place in heaven one day. And all that is good I, to free me from that. But let's admit we don't always feel very free at times, and we find things that are holding us back. We do what Paul says. We keep doing things over and over. We don't want to do, we keep doing. And the things we should be doing, we're not doing on a consistent basis. Habits really do make us and break us. And I want to encourage you this way is this process of finding greater freedom through Christ is called discipleship. Discipleship is this process of moving from our sinful habits, our sinful ways, selfish ways, to moving toward, through to Christ-likeness, through this process that we have identified as growing as disciples. See, the gospel, we've said this over and over, it's not just confessing and believing Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Number one thing to do that, that is the starting point. That's not the ending point. The beginning point for you is to enter in a life of discipleship with Jesus. Jesus gives this invitation to us, come, follow me. And what I've learned in the past is this, or in my, my life is, that invitation to come follow me is not, didn't happen 25, 30 years ago. It happens today. Today's the day Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Keep coming to follow me. I am wanting to walk, you to walk with me each and every day. That it's a, 
it's a season and we go through seasons in our life and we need to be continually reminded of that, of really this transformation of becoming who God desires us to, to be. These last few weeks and wrapping up today with really kind of this series based on three big questions of life. These are questions we ask whether you're 16 or 60 years old. No matter what phase and season of your life you go through, you find yourself asking, we talked about week one, where do I fit? We talked about the habit, the habit of becoming, that we establish this habit of becoming. And we'll, we'll talk more about that again here in a moment. The, the second week, last week was who am I? The identity, the habit of, of believing, not just believing in God, but God believing in us and what he says about us and who we are in him. And then, and then here today, we're going to look at why am I here? The, the purpose of, of, of the habit of becoming. And again, no matter age you are, or phase of life, or transitions, or challenges, we, we find ourselves going back to these same basic questions. And so, at times, we take an inventory where we are, and what, what we're going to be, uh, becoming who God wants us to be. And a, a good question you can ask yourself as we do this is, this is, what do you desire your future you to look like? What do you desire your future you to look like? I was trying to go back in the Facebook posts and everything, but there's a couple years ago where for about a week, everybody did the little app, make you look like an old person. Do you guys ever remember doing that? And, and everybody did it, and I played along and everything until we found out that Russians were hacking our information or something, and then we all pulled it down or whatever. And so, you know, I get, I, I've stopped getting caught up in doing these little things because we first going, they're just, you're just giving your information out, right? They already know where you're out there. But I remember doing I was going to show it, but, you know, you know I, do we want to know what we look like when we're older? Some of you are like, I am old. Like, I know what I look like now. So, uh, but all that to say is, what, not so physically, but where does, what is your, what would you say to your future? you? What would, what would you want? Make sure it's, well, it starts with today. What, where you want to be physically, where you want to be financially, relationally, spiritually. Like again, some of that stuff you can't control, but getting older, getting more wrinkled, all that. But there is a lot we can do to think about. Here, here, just kind of give you a kind of a, a basic truth for today is we become what we repeatedly do. We become what we repeatedly do. We are the sum total of the decisions that we are at this present moment. And we will continue to do that. And so we can look back with great satisfaction in our lives, but we can also look back with some regret that we have. But regardless of that, if you find like, wow, I've really accomplished a lot, or like, man, here I am, I'm still, guess what? Today is the day. Today is the starting point for the, for the future you to be. And I love the Bible, as mentioned before, of examples that we can look towards being the person God is calling us to be and this person be, becoming. I love the fact that the Bible is filled with wonderful truth. And, it, and I find that there is some great statements made, there's great truths made, but what helps me is put those truth connected to a person. The principle connected to a human being that I can relate with. And there's so many examples in scripture that God did did great work through and shaping him to the person they are becoming. And, and what's beautiful about it is they allowed God to do that work through them. One of the examples I want to look at today as we wrap up the series is the person becoming is, is Daniel. And you know, for obvious reasons, he's my favorite, okay? Uh, but Daniel is such a practical example that we have in scripture, of many of them, of really not only what he 
gone through as an example of faith, but actually practice some healthy habits that we can actually adapt in our lives. And your habits might be a little bit different than he did, but there's some principles there that I want to look at today. So I want to jump into Daniel chapter 1, and we're just going to do an overview of his life. We're not going to read all of Daniel, of course, but just some snippets along the way, and then we'll end our time here in communion in a few minutes. But, you know, if you think you lived in a very, we do, live in a very turbulent time in history, disruptive time in history, it has been unique for our lifetime. I don't care how old you are. You, you, you know, talk to so many people, even their 80s are going, yeah, I don't remember. I lived through World War II, Vietnam. You know, I've lived through a lot of things. This is definitely very uniquely challenging and disruptive. But for Daniel, what they went through in the time of history, I mean, had a whole nation invade your nation. And that was what was going on in Daniel chapter 1. We read, it says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. See, what was happening here is, and there's a cycle of history that takes place. It's almost called a sin cycle. Israel would be doing really good following the Lord, and then they get complacent, and then they drift away, and God would warn them that they're drifting away, they're drifting away, they're being disobedient, and they don't listen. Even after prophet after prophet comes, finally God goes, forget it, and he lets go of his, basically his protection, and an invading nation comes in, and that's what happened with Babylon coming in. And big, bad Babylon comes in. But I tell you, they're, they were diabolical. They weren't just coming in and annihilating everybody. They had this plan to basically take people in captivity, not just to enslave them into physical labor and abuse them, but they had even a bigger strategy, a very smart strategy. They learned to enculturate their enemy. And Daniel was part of this this regiment of people that they pulled in, him and his friends. And this is what it says in verse four, what they did. It says, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. They recognized there was potential in them. Don't, don't kill them. Let's brainwash them. Let's, let's get them a part of us and convince them that our way, the Babylonian way, is the way to do that. It was cutting to do this. And not only that, listen, look at the end of verse 4. It says, he, Daniel, was to teach them the language and in, in, in literature of Babylon, the Babylons. Basically, not only they were going to get Daniel to learn it, but he was going to teach his friends to do it. That was the kind of influence that Daniel had. And so it was a three-year program designed to certify them as basically enchanters, to be a part of dark rituals, to, to follow these, you know, learn these incantations and all this education would come that completely was opposite of the Lord God Almighty, but to follow other gods, other false gods. And Daniel, in fact, his new name was, he was Daniel, which means God is his judge. That was his, that was his Hebrew name. It was Belshazzar, which was like, means like son of Baal, like, like a demonic name. So it was just, Daniel was pushed toward in such an intense way, but he refused it. He pushed back on that. He knew who he belonged to. He knew that God had called him into the person he is to be still to become in the midst of this. Daniel's example is such a practical part of, as we look at, of actually for our own lives of habit building. We might not feel invaded in by another nation and culture enslaved, but how many know if we let ourselves go and, and just let everything happen, we become slaves to the freedom we think we actually do have. Look at verse 5. It says this, 
the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. The king's table. Now, you guys remember the buffet place, the king's table? Does anybody remember that? I, was, I think I'm getting hungry for lunch already. And, uh, you know, and, and so I, I thought of that place, and, and I don't know why the king's table comes to mind when I'm thinking. I don't think it's good to eat all you can eat, by the way. I've learned, I've learned that lesson. But that's kind of this picture that's going on is like this, this time where they had everything available to them. They, they had the palace available to them. But look at what the reason, look what Daniel does. In verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. It, it was, yes, a dietary issue. The, the Hebrews had a certain diet they're eating and, and important, but it was also kind of tied to idolatry too. There was a lot of connection of the, the things that the king did and the participation. There was much more that was going on to this, but it was a threat to Daniel and his friends to refuse what the king's orders was. It could lead to death. That's what it says next. It says in 9, it says, Now, God had caused, though, the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men in your age? The king would then have my head because of you. But listen to Daniel's resilience of faith, not being pulled in, tempted into being culturated into this, this place. He says this, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of young men who eat in the royal food and treat your servants in accordance to what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Now, healthy diet is important, but it's much, it means much more here. Because this word defile means to pollute, to contaminate, or corrupt a loss of purity. We know healthiness. We understand. I don't know if we need any more education. Billions of dollars are being made on the health food industry to tell us how to be healthy and guess what? America is not that healthy, even after all this money's poured in. All this influence can happen in our physical sense, but also it can happen in our spiritual or emotional self as well. I don't know what you're taking in garbage junk food-wise, but I know we also, you could eat as healthy as you want, but I tell you, more brains sometimes can, eat, can be eaten junk food, consuming. We can find ourselves, and I've found this, and maybe you found like watching Netflix all day. Guess what? At the end of the day, I don't go, you know, I feel so much better about myself than I feel about the world, don't you? How about this? How about watching cable news all day long? At the end of the day, don't you feel good about you and the world and the love of mankind? If you scroll through social media hour after hour hour you you might be working and you're doing this and you're feeling lower than lower and lower don't you why because it's just garbage it's just junk food that we're filling ourselves with and we find our life what you say i have to be informed really at the end of the day so what we're taking in what we're doing all that matters in our healthier and living holier lives and we find ourselves in that place. And so I don't know what your go-to is when it comes to habits. You might, you might be better than me. You're not a double dipper. Good for you, okay? 
You might have something, though, in your life that you go to and you turn to in your life when you, that, that triggers you and what you look toward. It might be social media. It might be, it might be some kind of thing and habit you do. You don't like, you do it anyway. And what you find is it's, it's in the weak moments of our life that we, we, we do that. We can defile ourselves. And, and, and I, this little acronym has been helpful for me to, to know what, hey, what, there's a time when things maybe trigger me that I'm feeling weak. I, they call it HALT. Maybe you've heard this before. When you're hungry, when you're angry, and when you're lonely and you're tired. Have you heard that before? When you're, when you're hungry. It might not be physical hungry, but you're just hungry for entertainment. You're hungry for just, there's emptiness you want to fill yourself with and just hunger for pleasure. It might be when you're angry, you just had a horrible day at work and you're mad at your boss, you're mad at your coworkers, you're mad at the customers, you're mad at the dog, didn't you take it out on the dog or whatever. And it's just, you're angry and you, you, that's a trigger for you. It might be when you're lonely. It might be physical loneliness. And of course, this last year and a half or so, people have experienced so much isolation. It's done, a, it's a plague right now for people. And you might be experiencing that. It might be when you're tired. Tired might mean you didn't get seven or eight hours of sleep, or you're just weary. You're just weary in the week. You're weary in the, the year, everything. All those things are triggers for us and where we go to. And so we need to be careful that the fact that there's times in our lives where things get triggered to do that. And, and you've probably seen this before, but it's kind of, it's called a habit loop. And um, and I think this is important to see that, that you can, we can put on the screen there, is what we find in this habit loop is that there's a cue, there's a routine, and there's a reward. And we do this with everything in our life, the good and the bad and the other. You know, I'll make fun of my double dipping. You know, I could, the trigger is I see some wonderful veggies I want to dip, okay? And my cue, the routine is I'm going to do that the behavior. The reward is, oh, I didn't have to put anything on my plate and go back. I could just eat from, the, from that place, okay? Whatever. That's silly. But you think of things for your own life. You think of things that, that the cue, like when you're angry and you're tired and you're lonely, what, what are your go-to? And the routine is you turn to that. Okay, I don't care if you're a lab rat or you're a guy or woman at the refrigerator looking in and that somehow there's going to be magic that's going to open up. There's going to be this wonderful thing to eat. And you open your fridge, you're going, gosh, it's just vegetables and fruit and meat and it's frozen, right? You're just like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? And we find ourselves in this queue. And we, if we recognize it, that these triggers are there, that then we're kind of going, well, wait a second. I can stop and evaluate. Is this the person I want to become? Is this the things I want to take in my mind and I want to take in my heart and do with my body? All that matters. And so, yeah, there's a reward sometimes when we choose the junk food that goes in. There's a, there's, it's called dopamine. It's, there's a release. Whether you're on cocaine or eating cookies, there's a release that happens in, 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 in short term. And then it brings on the shame and the regret and everything that goes with it. And you know this already, but it's to recognize this for our lives. And the solution, we've said this before, is not just sure willpower is going to do it. Like, I just got to do better. And we've talked about this. You, you need not just willpower. You need a, you need a plan. And, and Daniel modeled to this, this principle of healthy habits. And you can write this down is this. Establish a conviction that includes a system. To establish a conviction that includes a system. If you're going to be healthy and successful in habit forming, it's, it's so important. Meaning conviction is this saying, Today, I'm going to, this is the day I choose 
that I'm going to do, and I'm going to, you know, it's saying I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to be spiritual, I'm going to be, have a better marriage, I'm going to, whatever your goal and commitment, make the commitment, put your foot down. This is the day. You have to have that conviction. How badly do you want it? But ha having it, wanting it, and desiring, doesn't mean you're going to get it. Doesn't mean because it's a great goal. Doesn't mean you're good. You have to have a system that's in place to do that. That was the study. They've studied people with habits. Having a good system. James Clear, this book, I really recommend. It's great. Atomic Habits. He says this. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your system. Daniel had a system. What was the system? 10-day period of time. He had accountability with the people he's working with. There was a plan that he had in place. There's these basic things that are so important to be there. You can post how you're going to be healthy. You can tell people you're going to do that. It won't be sustainable until you actually have this plan, this system in place. And it goes with all areas of our life, our healthy marriage, family, especially our growth as followers of Jesus. And so as your pastor, I am not responsible for your nutrition. You go to a nutritionist, you talk to your Weight Watcher person, I don't know, whatever plan you have, have a healthy, eat healthy, go, go for it. I'm not an expert in that. Uh, I'm not an expert in the therapy that you need or the, the job, you know, whatever, whatever thing you're trying to build healthy habits on, there's a lot of things we can do in our life. But spiritually, I want to help you. And we as a church want to help us together to grow. And we want to offer a healthy system. And the system looks like this. Starting next week, we're doing a new series called Living in the Light. We're going through the book of John. I'm excited. I love all the Bible, but I love just getting back right in the Gospels and Jesus. And John is one of my favorite books. I love all the, the metaphors that John brings up about Jesus. And it's just going to be good. I've been reading through John already. I'm loving it. But not just lit, doing it on, on Sundays, but we're going to do some things throughout the week. Now, speaking of Sundays, we, we kind of have a trifecta. We've got our gathering, we've got our groups, and we've got our growth. And I want to hit on the, the gathering time. It's been interesting, the behavior of people in the last, you know, 18, 19 months of church life. A lot of disruption, a lot of things have happened. And, and, and right now, what we're finding is, and people coming on Sunday morning, not so much. Sunday morning. Not so much coming to church. In fact, we, we've kind of look at kind of where we're at and stats and everything. About half of our church is online still. Half of our church attends online. And maybe you're here today in person, but some weeks you are online. So we have some people, sometimes they show up, sometimes they're online and all that's going on. And what we found is just in the season in, and we've got this COVID variant, there's a lot of people around us that have COVID right now. And what we found is this is, it'd be best for us in the season right now to have one gathering on Sunday morning. And so starting on October 10th, at 10 a.m., we'll be having one service. So 10-10 at 10. Can you remember that? We try to make it very easy for us to remember that. I know our habit has been coming to the 9 a.m. or the 11 a.m. or you're watching online, and we will be offering in person two weeks from today one gathering at 10 a.m. in person, one gathering on the stream at 10 a.m., as well. Well, full kids program. Yes, there'll be coffee. Okay. Why would we? That was tragic. We didn't have coffee for a while. Like, what were we thinking, right? 
We will have that. And I know right now we look around, there's empty seats and everything. If we need to go back to two, I hope one day we can, but this is the season we're in. It's a unique season. And we want to build some momentum again, and we, which we, we find. We had a great leadership gathering yesterday and it was with core leaders. And I think we've got some good momentum. I've got great people. You guys are great people. And we want to just build some momentum and some unity together that we'll be doing that. So one gathering. But we're not just gathering as that's one part of our system. There's also groups. And we want to encourage you to be involved in small group. Josh was up here. He's our small group director. Married guy. He looks different, doesn't he? He's married now. Um, and he says not much has changed. I will not tell his wife, May, that he said that, okay? But um, I don't want to do that to him. But he's our small group director, and he would love to help you get into a small group. And so you can mark on your connection card or do it online. Do it. Let us know. And we can match make you to different groups that are happening throughout the week. We also are going to look to offer some online groups. I'm actually going to be leading an online small group. So if you're online, you can stay online. If that's where you're at right now, it's just a unique season that we're in that we want to help you to do that. And then the trifecta is the, is the growth guides, the spiritual guides that we're putting together through the book of John. We're going to have those available next week. And so there, you study the book of John throughout the week and talk about it in your group, and then we'll be talking about it on Sunday. All that to say is, we have a system of a, a discipleship that we want to help you do that. It's all there. You just have to do it. You have to walk through the steps that are there and make it your own. It could be, you could have a group of 12 people that you want to gather together, or three to five in a mini group, whatever way, shape, or form to do it together. That's the key is there, there's a plan to do it with all of us to be a part of it. So we encourage you to be a part of that here. And I think when we get into kind of like this whole systems and, and organization stuff, some of us I know in personality kind of balk at it. They go, I'm not a planned person. I'm not a very organized person. I just kind of, I kind of just go and let life happen. I don't, I'm not really bought into kind of any kind of system. Well, I want you to know whatever, whatever you're doing, of, like you don't have a system, that's your system. Waking up in the morning going, whatever happens, happens. Guess what? That is a system. You will get out of your life what you, what you do with your life. And it might be working great for you. You might be just as fit as anybody has. You have lots of money. You're the most spiritual person. You have a, you have a rock solid marriage. Your kids are perfect. Your dog is perfect. I'm just saying you do everything good for you. But most of us, we kind of need help. And having a system in place is so important. And I want to tell you, if you're not a planned person, you don't have to be. Just be a pre-planned person. Now go with me on this. Planned people, they just got it down. But when I talk to people that got a plan, they realize they're not very organized and they need help to get organized. And a practical way is to be pre-planned. And what I mean by that is there's things that we can do that we can kind of think about to help us with healthy habits. And I want to give you a couple tips that I picked up that have been health, help, helpful for me in developing consistent healthy habits, physically, emotionally, spiritual, whatever it is, if I'm, that helps me be consistent. And it comes down to this, make it obvious and make it easy, whatever you're doing. Habit forming is, good habits are already hard. Don't make it hard. Make it obvious and make it easy. Because when we default back to obvious and easy on um, not planning that way, we will go to the grocery store hungry and we will buy junk food, right? Because we don't have a list. We don't have a plan. Do the opposite. Make it still obvious and easy. And what I want to be like this is prepare tomorrow, today. 
Do the things you know of this week coming up. It's all about preparing. The, the Jewish community still models that today. I was in Israel, and they model, they have this, they prepare for the Sabbath where they celebrate the Lord. And, and, and what they do is they have what they call a day of preparation. They literally follow what the Bible says in Genesis about the day. We, we wake up our day, we call it, you know, the day starts with the crack of dawn. No, it starts with sundown for them because they go from sundown to sundown in their day. They, they follow what Genesis says, there was evening and there was morning and then there was day. And I, we look at there and going, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I don't know if I need to do that. No, think about the principle that's here, this ritual that's here. My wife does this. She's not Jewish. She does this. She, she plans out her week and she makes sandwiches for her lunch three days in a row. She makes the exact same sandwich three days in a row for this little stretch of work she has. And she has a day off. And she does this. And I'm thinking, you work in a grocery store. Why do you just food there? Why do you do this? And, and it's the same sandwich every day. Why don't you mix it up? I just want to say to her, why don't you mix it up with some ham and then turkey and then ham? Same sandwich. Why does she do this? She automates her life because in the mornings, she doesn't want to think about it. Now, it might be something small to do, but it, it kind of connects what we do together. I, I in the morning, I pre-program our coffee pot, okay? I wake up, okay? And I smell the coffee, okay? Literally. And, and then we have our devotional time together and prayer time together. And we have great conversations. And I'm not saying, oh, look at you, how fancy we are in doing this. We've kind of pre-programmed ourselves because if we don't have a routine and rhythm, it, we're out of sorts. And we spend time together and are scheduled to be able to do that and have, have a close connection in our, in our marriage. I don't know what works for you. Maybe you want to work out early in the morning. I try not to make a lot of decisions when I'm waking up in the morning. So lay out the, the, the workout clothes. You got your gym bag packed. You, you have lunch made. You're doing these things, so you're, you're part of your routine to do that. It's just being smart. You go, I'm not a planned person. You don't have to be. You, you, you go back and you say, how do I automate my life? It's pre-planning to do that. Whether it's eating healthy, whether it's reducing your screen time. You're going, oh, I just catch myself always drifting to watch TV at night. Well, take the remote off the bed and put your book on the bed. And when you go to bed in the morning, okay, I'm going to read tonight. That's going to be my cue, right? The habit loop. There's my cue is the book. Now I'm going to do this. And my routine is I'm going to start reading and then I'm going to sleep better and then staring at screens. You make it easy, right? You make it easy. And then you also make it Make it obvious and make it easy. Have a cue what you do in front of you. And then make it easy. I love what Admiral William McCraven read. He, he, he wrote. He wrote this book called Make Your Bed. He's a Navy SEAL trainer. And he has this line about this title of his book, Make Your Bed. It's the principle is start your day with a completed task. That's really, really smart. Like, make your bed. Why do I make my bed? Well, at least you accomplish something in your day. Your day could go to you know what? but I made my bed. I worked out. I, I, I read my Bible. I prayed, you know, so, you know, you do these basic things. It leads to it. You don't have to do CrossFit when you start working out. Do 10 push-ups a day. You don't have to read 10 chapters of the Bible a day. Read one chapter. Read, read the verse of the day. For crying out loud, the, the Bible app gives you the verse of the day. Just do that. Start small, as we've talked before. These steps we take. And I would encourage you, this is kind of a spiritual practice this week is this idea is to win the day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. How will I win today? 
What will be the win I do today? Mark Battison, the, the guy that wrote a book called Win Today, it's an excellent book on habits. He says this, if you do the little things like they're big things, God will do the big things like they're little things. It's pretty profound and practical, isn't it? What will your future self look like when you do these things? Simple, consistent habits that are habit stacking. So, made the coffee, okay? Cue the coffee. Coffee's happening. Got the Bible open with my wife. We sit together. We go, we're stacking habits. We're, we're having coffee. We're having the Bible time. We're having prayer time. It's building our marriage. What are you doing that's stacking those things? And Daniel was stacking things that we're going to look at here in a moment that, that he did. And, and what, but what came though was some resistance. We won't take the time to look at Daniel chapter 3, but in your doing life together this week, if you're doing small groups with our lesson, you'll look at Daniel and, the, and his, actually his friends in the fiery furnace. There was a testing that they went through. And I'm going to, Drake, I'll skip, skip this, question, this, this, this verse in Romans 12, but there's the culture that we're in comes against us at times. There is going to be a time in our life, there's going to be people in our life, even maybe good intentions are going to question, why are you trying to be healthier and why are you somehow trying to be holier? People will come against your healthy habits. They should be cheerleading, they should be excited for you. But what happens sometimes for people, it's almost a mirror that what they're not doing in their life. And you're going to get pushback. Daniel lived through some regimes. They had the Babylonians, guess what? Were invaded by the Persians. And a whole new group of people came in. And Daniel had to prove himself, which he did once again to King Darius of Persia. But the officials of, those, of that kingdom did not like Daniel because Daniel looked like a two-gooder. Daniel looked like this loyal to the king. God gave him favor and there was jealousy coming. Can I tell you there's going to be times that people are going to push back on you and they're going to be jealous of you. Now, this is not a time for you to have pride. This is not a time to say, look how great I am because you know what happens with that. There will be a fall. Pride comes before a fall. But we have to say there's going to be resistance. There's going to be times. And that Daniel was faced with this. And they, these officials kind of tricked, they almost just tricked the king. He's kind of weak-willed to issue this decree that only people need to pray to the king. If they don't pray to the king and they pray to someone else, they're going to get, be put to death. That was a decree that was given out. Daniel, guess what? In his resilience, he knew who God was calling him to be. This is what it says. It's now, now when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, thanking, uh, giving thanks to his God. Check this out. Look at what it says. Just as he had done before. Just as he had done before. That is called a habit. And he stacked the habit morning, noon, and night. Day after day after day. He said, no matter what happens, come hell or high wire, hot, hot, hot water or whatever, whatever comes my way, Lord, I am going to be dedicated to you no matter what it takes. Muscle memory of this. That, listen, 
you can write this in, consistent routine will keep you resilient even when facing resistance. Consistent routine will keep you resilient even faced with resilience or resistance. And resistance is not a bad thing, by the way. If you're, you lift weights or you know, you're doing arm bands or stretch bands or whatever, you need the resistance to build muscle. In fact, you, need a, you actually need to come to a point of failure to break down those muscles to grow. Now, when, when you're at a point of failure and you're lifting weight, make sure it doesn't fall in your head. Okay, have a spotter, but it's okay to have those failures, okay to push ourselves, but we're going to get resistance from other people. We're going to get resistance from the devil himself to come, and, and what are you trying to do, and what are you trying to prove, and when we're establishing new habits and, and getting ready, rid of the old habits, there's going to be, you're, you're, we're we're, we're sinful human beings that just want to default back to that, and there's going to be this fight in our lives that happen. And, and as much as maybe I admit I'm a double dipper that I, I go that way, I'm not really that way. So I hope that's okay to say that because one day past all this, I hope that we can share some bean dip together and you will allow me to come in because now I feel like I'm going to get blackballed from these social parties. So I'm not that bad, by the way. But I would admit this one in all seriousness. I'm, I love Daniel's model of prayer because I'm more of a warrior than a prayer person. I'm just saying, I'm not a prayer, I'm a worrier. I sometimes gonna sit down to pray and then it turns into worry because I get consumed by what's going on and feel the weight of the whole world on my shoulders sometimes. Maybe that's for you. And I've had to pre-program and say, no, I've had to pray out loud in my car on my way to convince myself, no, this is what I need to do. There's a discipline that's there in prayer. I don't know what you need to establish as a good system of good habits, but we have to start with that. There's going to be resistance. And guess what? There's going to be a price. As we wrap up here is this, there's a price of becoming what will eventually lead to reward. I'm not going to read, we have it of our time here, but the reward that happens and Daniel faced the, the, the ultimate price ulti- that was going to happen. He didn't know this, that, that God was going to spare his life. But the price was he was going to go to the lion's den. You know this, Daniel in the lion's den. And the king himself, who was, again, weak-willed, but yet was still a fan of Daniel, he goes to the edge of the, the lion's den and calls out after a whole night where Daniel was thrown in this pit, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel is able to say these words. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I've been found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, you, your majesty. Daniel found resilience. He stuck to his habits, but he knew he couldn't do it alone. It was God's help that was going to do it. God never intended for us to, to live healthier and whole and holier lives on our own. Jesus was and is the pathway to the system for us to have that. And it all happened through the cross. As Chris comes and we have communion and we wrap up this little mini series, at the end of the day, it's us coming to the Lord going, there's no way. There's none of us going to be healthier and wholer and holier without the fact that what Jesus already did for us. The system of forgiveness and freedom that he offered, that none of these efforts are going to be even work on our own without the Spirit of God in us. And the Spirit of God can't be in us unless Jesus is in us first. And there's no way we, we can connect with God unless Jesus created this, who, which he did, this pathway for us, this system of forgiveness and freedom that came through the cross 
they have. And I encourage you, if you're in your chairs here and you're watching online, go ahead and get your communion ready. If you don't mind, just opening it up and getting prepared here in a moment that we're going to have together. As I said, God created this pathway of this perfect system to lead us in a healthier and whole and holier life that he offered to us. You see, the the Jewish people, as we can admire them, they had rituals. But I think sometimes some of those rituals became ruts, don't they? They become something to do, to do over and over. And one of those probably was the day with Jesus and his disciples was called Passover. Many of them had lived many, many Passovers. The special time that is remembered of what, how God spared the, the Israel from, from destruction. And, and the Lord was, Lord did it over and over of sparing them and they remember it, but it became a rut for them. And I find that habits sometimes spiritually that we do is that we can kind of get in ruts. Even right now, as you hold it in your hand, as you take the cup, as I do, and the, and the bread. This is a great habit to have. In fact, Paul tells us in Scripture, do this as often as you can. We do it about once a month around here. But we can do this daily. It's daily communion. I always like the idea, like, if we just do this once a month and don't have any contact with the Lord except for this, this is called a reunion. Communion is having communal time with the Lord each and every day. But we have this special moment to gather together to remember what Jesus did. And so it was going to just be routine for the disciples. They thought it was just, okay, we're doing the Passover, but he changed it up on them. He said, this is my body, broken and beaten. They're like, this? This this bread that we hold up, that that we use part of our Passover? Yeah, it's going to be, it represents my body. It's going to be put to death for all mankind. Eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that together today. Again, they just thought this was some ritual to do this as habits, but it was so much more meaningful. This habit was so important for them because it was going to be, and Jesus is reminding them at this moment, this is something that they've done before, but he's saying something new. He says, he held up the cup and he said, this is a new covenant of my blood that there'll be forgiveness of sins of all mankind. No more, no more sacrifices, no more rituals for shed blood. I have done it. It's the one and done remedy for all mankind's sin. Drink in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, what a, what a beautiful ritual. What a beautiful routine. What an what a awesome habit for us to have and to practice, for the church to practice for 2,000 years. The sacrament of communion because it brings us back to why we do what we do. Why are we trying to be healthy? Why are we trying to live holier lives? Why are we trying to be whole people and, and healthy, healthy spiritual lives? And it has everything to do with the fact that we couldn't do any of it on our own. It's only what you did for us in this pathway, this system toward forgiveness and freedom in you that you provided. So Lord, we thank you for that sacrifice of your body. We thank you for this cleansing of our sin through your blood. May we live it out in practice this week. 
in our lives and through our lives for your kingdom and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.